0: Hi everyone. My name is Andreas Feiner and I would like to welcome you to our podcast, Important Problems. Together with my wonderful guests, we will address urgent problems such as sustainability, nature and mental health, and how we can tackle them. Our aim is to show you that everyone can solve important problems. Hello, today we are meeting Eric Breen. Um, Eric is a pioneer in the sustainability movement and he talked today about his career, um, about his values, um, but also about data and integrated thinking. And uh, he also talked about um, a new venture that he is joining and pushing. It's called DataLand and it's about a data common to make data more readily available to everybody who wants to integrate this into their business processes. But without further ado, Please join me in uh, welcoming Eric to the show. Hello, everyone. Today we are meeting Eric Brain. Eric is a person that I have known for probably now 15 years. First time I got to know him in London. um, I was introduced to him um, almost that he is the godfather of sustainability. And uh, I'm very pleased that we are um, still in contact. And, uh, Eric, that you are part of the show today um, of important problems. Um, As always, we do this in three parts. You know, we want to learn about yourself. We want to learn about the problems you feel need solving. And then, obviously, your contribution to that. And um, so, why don't we kick us off and um, you tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, You know, um, start with everything. And uh, we're looking forward to that.
1: Yes, well, lovely, Andy, and um, those were very, very nice words uh, you uh, you introduced me with. It's good to uh, to see you again. And um, when you asked me about introducing myself, I'm, I'm I'm starting to think of myself rather as a person than uh, as a function. And uh, of course, I've done stuff uh, as everyone has. Uh, but first and foremost, I, I like to think. Uh, of myself uh, as a son to my father and my mother, for instance, um and what I've learned and picked up from them along the way um and I think that um your experience, your education, what forms you in life that makes you really what you are as a person So um, that's what I feel is important um what my father taught me, for instance uh is uh, very much uh, something about what quality is and what integrity is. and What my mother taught me is about caring, but also persistence. Um, and there are other persons, of course, that have been important in my life. And what you then do with it, I think that's up to you. And doing stuff as one person I've learned along the way can be extremely important and extremely inspiring. So. What I feel is that if we connect these inspiring stories together, we can really come a long way. So if you huh? if you ask me who are you, I I am Erik, Erik Breen. Right? So as yeah. we say in Dutch, I'm from the Netherlands. So that's how I pronounce my name. But internationally it's uh Eric Breen, uh, uh, as it's often been pronounced. So that's me. Um I can linger on a little bit about functions and other important persons. Yes,
0: I think that would be quite interesting to linger a little bit about what you've done. Um, So you've been head of a sustainable investment. Um, You have uh, worked at the IFRS Foundation. You have worked something on uh, with pension funds in the Netherlands. Um, So probably tell us a little bit about that and... And also what that taught you, and obviously the, over the last 15 to 20 years, you know, how sustainability has changed in, in the professional life. Yeah,.
1: yeah. Um, well, af- after my study, Econometrics, uh, I, um, I really got involved into uh, investing. I started with uh, an investment firm here in the Netherlands called Rubico, and that, at that point in time was the center for investing in the Netherlands. I started in um, the equity department, in the core department, and through functions like a junior portfolio manager, became portfolio manager, got my own responsibility for accounts and funds of of major clients. I've run hedge funds. um, I know what shorting stock is, um, and I've done that. Um, And at a certain point, over 20 years ago, I got the responsibility for sustainability portfolios and then the fun started i must say um, it was uh, still very very small in terms of team uh, there was one other person and i had him assigned to me for half of his time um, and we quickly expanded um, and we did great stuff together uh, and there were people that joined us um It was in those early days, the early 2000s, um, that we started with sustainability. And when we saw it on the rise, together with governance, um, we still needed to invent words like engagement. Um, Now we know what it is. But at those days, we didn't. But we, we started, together with many others, inside but also outside the firm, I think a movement that's so important now today. And with sustainability investing, I think coming in from the governance angle was important, but also coming in from mainstream, not from the legal side, not from the compliance side, but from the business side. That's extremely important.
0: What do you mean by that, from the business side?
1: If you come in into a conversation with CEOs, CFOs from the investor side, you ask them about stuff that's important for you as an investor, for your portfolio, for the longer term value of your clients. And the financial value, of course, is what we were aiming for. But broader value creation was important to sustain that value, that financial value.
0: So are you saying that um, basically the, the integration of sustainability is value creation.
1: I think that that it is, yes. If you look at a wider form of value creation, where you create value not only in financial terms, within the boundaries of the enterprise, and what we know from financial accounting, the enterprise value, but if we look at the concept of multi-capitals, of value creation, wider value creation, uh, and how that value is being created, uh, then we see that the financial value creation is a part of a larger whole. And understanding that larger whole, uh, not only seeking the connectivity of information, but also seeing the true integration of how value creation works. Uh, I think that understanding is crucial going forward. And that is what the integrated reporting movement um, takes forward as a concept. And I've Been involved from my work
0: uh,
1: on the sustainability and the governance side. Uh, I've been involved into integrated reporting uh, since its beginning, Um, and I feel that at this point in time, we've reached an extremely crucial moment, a very uh, fine moment where we now have the integrated reporting framework and the integrated thinking principles being part of the IFRS foundation and um, taking that forward um, at the scope that the IFRS has with um, usage potentially in over 140 jurisdictions um, will mean a leap forward for integrated thinking. When you start to operationalize integrated thinking and operationalize integrated reporting, the crucial part you also need is data. And that is, uh, I think, where uh, Andy, well, we also have had our conversations from the past.
0: Okay, so so let's go back to the IFRS Foundation, um, and uh, so how was it formed, and what is its goal? What is it like? What is it going to achieve?
1: Um, well, IFRS as a foundation was already formed long ago. So uh, the IFRS Foundation. Uh, through the International Accounting Sustainability Board, looks after the IFRS standards, which are leading in uh, financial accounting. And uh, many, many companies, worldwide, large companies, report using uh, the IFRS standards as a basis for preparation. So those are extremely important. And the board, the IASB, the International Accounting Standards Board, has now gotten a sister. And that sister is the International Sustainability Standards Board. And they are about Um, sustainability standards.
0: So you're saying that the financial reporting is at the same level of sustainability reporting?
1: In terms of those two boards, yes, they are. Yeah. And um, I think we... I see this as a very positive movement um, and there's a lot of work to do and it goes with uh, a lot of speed. I always wonder, can we go faster? What can we do more? But this is going at a tremendous speed and the balance between urgency, ambition, but also being practical and keeping it uh, practical also for companies and and preparers of those reports. So what we now is that the concepts of integrated reporting are being governed by both boards. And that's important, of course, because integrated reporting is about the integration. And it's not about only sustainability or only financial, it's about both. And thinking in an integrated way is a new way of thinking. So, what we see as a first step very often is Thinking that with uh, accounting uh, as a background on the new matter of sustainability, we can come a long way. And I think that is true. We can come a long way. But we cannot solve the old think- using the old thinking uh, on new matters. We need new thinking. And that is integrated thinking. And that's the important second step we need to take.
0: Okay. Um fully understood integrated thinking is is part of value creation but um you know if you read the the newspapers um there's a big backlash um to sustainability to esg particularly in the us but but also this is um you know palpable here in in europe so so what is your thinking around that
1: yeah i I see that as well um i think uh, on one way one could see this as a cultural difference. And I think that is one of the explanation. Another explanation also is that the ESG movement Mm -hmm. uh, got more power. And uh, this is sort of a counter reaction, which is logical. Mm -hmm. We're in a big transition. And if you are in a transition, you cannot keep everyone happy. Mm -hmm. So if you keep everyone happy in a transition, They're not going to be in a transition at all. So this change, uh, I think, is not only about sustainability, but this change is also how we divide both the opportunities as well as the pain uh, across people, uh, within cities, within regions and across regions as well. And that's what we're actually seeing. And we're seeing that on a lot of things uh, that are, are happening now, and I also think uh, that a lot of these issues are related. But we need that transition going forward. Um,
0: what issues are you referring to when you say those issues are related to one another?
1: Let's, let's, for instance, take a big issue as climate change. We all know and heard of that. But if you realize that the root cause for biodiversity loss, the one single most important cause for biodiversity loss is climate change. And that's the first of, say, the top five factors uh, for biodiversity loss. And those two are related. Um, If you look, for instance, at uh, displaced people, hmm, geographies where there is more drought, um, and there are predictions uh, for some geographies that there will be more drought, that will trigger migration from those regions to other regions uh, where the drought is not so severe. Mm -hmm. So climate change is also related and a potential trigger for, for instance, um, social migration. Mm -hmm. Think about the food chain and the influence uh, of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So they're all kind of systems ecological systems and social systems that are connected in a way. And that's why I think uh, if we look at those problems in isolation, we have a better capability as a human to understand it. But from a structural point of view, these are related. And that's why we need a multidisciplinary approach. And that is also why integrated thinking, uh, thinking about these issues uh, and the connectivity between those issues, uh, is so important. This is not done in isolation, mm. and neither is so, the business working in isolation in this world.
0: No. Okay, so I guess we we already are in the part, you know, the second part where we talk about the problems that we need to actually solve. I think you mentioned a couple of them, you know, loss of biodiversity, the uh, climate change topic, um, migration, all being interrelated and connected with one another. I mean, these are humongous problems that we face. And probably, you know, sometimes when, when people feel that they cannot change anything, you know, they basically just, you know, retire from the thought to do anything and they just go on with their life. Is that something that you see? And and if so, how can you counter this, this reaction, which is probably very human?
1: Yeah, it, it is very human. And uh, I also very much understand it because... Uh, Understanding the core issues and what you can do or what you should do or how those issues are related, especially to businesses,
0: uh,
1: is something we should gain much, much more insights in. And for that insight, we need, uh, that I think is crucial in helping this transition to be successful. We need insight, but we also need data. And uh, I really want to to help build better data flows. That is, I think, what will help to implement integrated thinking and, and help us to create value as a well. world.
0: Okay, but, but how do you do that? You know, like if you have um, companies that are already you know, under a lot of stress to you know, produce uh, financial information, um, it's very complicated companies at some point in time. You know we know from companies that have hundreds of people just in gathering information and then reporting this to the outside world on the flip side, you have small and medium sized enterprises which have too few people and you know just do not really know where to get the information from so So, how do you solve that riddle?
1: I not necessarily think that we need more data. I think we need better data. It needs to be standardized in a certain way, and that's already going on and I also believe that with the standardization of content and there also will be a standardization in terms of the digital format and we need both the flow of data is not yet guaranteed when there is um, both standardization in terms of content and and digital format. So the flow of information will become much, much more important. And we should be able to distribute data as if we are making a phone call to the other side of the world or as if we are making a financial transaction across countries as easy as that and as cheap as that. And that's where we should go. That's the holy grail. We're not there yet. Uh, Data is not yet connected in this world in the way uh, we should should have it, because we need it um, for managing our businesses. Decision useful information is not only based on financial information inside the company, it's more Mm. and more based on sustainability information outside the company.
0: Let me take a little bit the other side of that. Um, so if you if you say climate change is, you know, a very important topic with um, you know impact on biodiversity loss and on migration. And um, there is, you know, a couple of studies out there that basically say that the, the biggest 100 polluters are polluting in terms of, you know, the CO2 emissions are uh, the vast majority of all of the emissions worldwide. Um, so, is it really then so important to get a lot of data? Why don't we just talk to those hundred companies?
1: Well, I think it's not only about those hundred companies, it's also about people and other com- companies. Um, and, and let me give you an example of why that is important. Say, I'm, I'm in the business of uh, food processing, and uh, I need a big decision on where my new factory is going to be. I want to know where that factory will or will not uh, uh, increase the water stress for local communities. And if I build a new factory in a community where there already is potentially, or maybe in the future will be more water stress, it's not about who gets the water. It's about that you both have water stress. So avoiding that creates value for the local community uh, that's preservation, as well as for the company um, that has better access to, to water and continued operation and reduces operational risks. And that's one example. There are multiple examples um, that go down deep into supply chain. Mm. If your supply chain is close, uh, you have less issues with transport distribution as we've seen during COVID, for instance. Mm. If you're transporting mm. goods from far away, Uh, you're running operational risks so outsourcing Mm. to a country far away for uh, a gain of a few cents per product might Mm. be a good idea on the financial side but if you uh, develop a broader view and take other issues into account and also views uh, in terms of value creation not only for the enterprise but also syn that feedback ultimately into enterprise at that point you will also have um, yeah uh, decision factors at your hand mm. that will help you to balance a better decision so we need more information than just a financial steer and the information needs to be of the same quality and that's yeah. we're not there yet mm. and that goes not only for 100 companies that goes for every company that makes investment decisions today
0: very good thank you so much that was uh, that was clear it's not about what the companies do themselves but also the decision making process and the integrated thinking that they need data for as a support um so thank you so much for for clearing that out so i mean all of the companies you know if you you read Economist, it says you know data is the new oil or data is the new gold um how do you think about that? You know, there's, there's data companies out there that um, are sometimes monopolistic or oligopolistic, um, and, um, you know, data is not readily available for everybody. Um, how do you think about that?
1: Well, I think there are some issues we need to fix with data. And when I say some issues, I mean the issue of costs, I mean the issue of quality, I mean that there are gaps and there's also a usage problem there. And now I can elaborate on all of those four. If you look at the costs of data, data that companies need to buy today to be compliant also with regulation, those costs are increasing severely, and they're only flowing into the pockets of a very minor few companies that have the market power there. And if you look at the model, basically they are selling someone else's data and you can question that whether they should make a profit of data that we so much need to run value creation for our companies and for our countries so that's the issue of cost so cost is an obstacle we need to bring that down quality is another one if you look at quality of data it's very often that data is not really comparable. It's not always reliable. And certainly it's not always timely. If you need decision useful information, it needs to be there when you need to make a decision, not three months later, when someone somewhere has put the data in. So we need to fix that as well. And then there are gaps. There's simply a lot of companies that are not worthwhile for these big data vendors to pick up because only a few of the clients will use that data point. Mm. So it becomes very costly. This is a profit gain, data. And we mm. should take it out of the profit domain and we should bring it into a non-profit sphere where we see data, ESG data and financial data much more as a commodity that will help drive value creation.
0: Okay, so almost like as water, waste and um, electricity probably.
1: Yeah, you can think about it as a common and uh, also as something that I think uh, will put back the control over uh, your own data with you as a company or with you as a person, if it's your personal data. Mm. That's,
0: that's okay. very good, very good. So, what is your contribution to, to get to such a world? Is there anything that, that you can do yourself, or other people can do?
1: I've spent uh, about ten years uh, working on integrated thinking and integrated reporting, and it's now time to make a next step, um, and that's why I joined DataLens. And with DataLens, uh, we want to solve this data problem and fix that. I'm very much a shaper, a pioneer. I want to build stuff. I'm not a shopkeeper. If you, you ask me to keep a shop, I will get bored within two years. And this is a very exciting new venture that will keep me excited for the next five or 10 years and where I really want to build and the data problem that we have and make that an opportunity for everyone to join. And so, Data will be the community where we will connect uh, the data owners and the data users in a way that is not seen today. And we want to do that within a non-profit sphere. And we want to grant access to those who need the data at the most. So, that, that's important. And we want the data to flow. Uh, so that means that data flows from the owners, keeping them in control to the users, yeah? making them access to data, uh, that they have the quality and the fingertips in the time that they need. That's our ambition. So that that's data very... flow is our single most important KPI going forward.
0: Well, that's very interesting. So... So what data is flowing through that? Um are there you, you spoke about standardization. Is there anything in particular that you want to start with at Data Land?
1: Yeah, well the, the the key issues where data needs are today are for instance in Europe the EU taxonomy. Um there's also a lot to do about the supply chain. Huh? And in Germany that has started with local legislation, which is beautifully called the Um I needed to study on that word. Um, but also we sim- see similar movements uh, in Europe uh, where the, as we call it, C S CSDDD uh, is now being worked out in consultation and uh, uh, among others that has this local German Gesetz as an input. And so that will be much more important. And those are actual topics, right? mm. companies, uh, investors, capital market providers need to address today. Uh, obligations under the SFDR in Europe and under the CSRD uh, to Europe require a lot of data. And that's where we really want to start. Um, but we don't want to stop them.
0: That's brilliant. So, so when, are you, when are you starting? When is it, when is it going live? Uh, we
1: already have started. There is value in data land already for you today. So we want you to join us, right? ask what 50 companies, for instance, can you already deliver to me? And if we don't have it, we will go out and get it for you. And That's how we want to prove our value to you today. And all we ask today in return for that is that you help us to build a better data lab for tomorrow. That's
0: brilliant. I think that's a, that's a very good you know, closing closing sentence, you know, like uh, asking for companies and financial institutions to join Dataland to exchange data, to see how it works and, you know, give feedback and to see how it can get better. Um, you know, since you, you told me in the briefing that this is, you know, almost like a Lego, um, you know, for, for data, um, in a similar way, you know, Dataland could be seen as a, as a Linux for data you know people can go in there it's open source and you can you know shape it and create it in, in in the way that you need it rather than you have to buy something which you know other people tell you what the definition is going to be so so I'm very mm-hmm. excited to see this uh, um, you know going going live and uh, starting starting its 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 reality so so we will be you know, looking at this, um, we at PRC will use it, um, uh, and, and try it out and, you know, test it and, and make sure that, uh, you have everything you need in order, um, to kind of, you know, build something that is a, is a common data utility and a data common, which then, you know, probably you can disprove data is the new goal. So probably it's the new utility. Um, so awesome. I wish you the best of luck and, and success for that. Thank you so much for being here and, um, It was great having you. Thank you so much. This is the end of today's episode, but stay tuned. Many more interesting topics are yet to come. And don't forget to hit the follow button to never miss a new and exciting episode of our podcast, Important Problems.